Hey everybody, it's Nathaniel Avila reporting from San Antonio and I'm here with Timbro Hildebrand. Yay! Yep. And what are we talking about today? Uh, Beauty and the Beast, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, well, what, you, you just told me that it was this was your favorite film. It's one of my favorite Disney films, for sure. Alright, so what do you, tell me, what do you like about it? Well, it's just, it's really well made, it's a good story, and, I mean, the animation is beautiful, the songs are great, it's just, it's a perfect mashup of good, I suppose. Okay, so let's get into some background, the history of this film. So, the story of this film started all the way back in 1937, when uh, the success of Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, uh, uh, caused Walt Disney, the guy, to sought out other stories to adapt it to feature films, uh, with the Beauty and the Beast story being among the stories he considered. So attempts to develop the Beauty and the Beast uh, story into like screen format were made in 19, the 1930s and the 1950s, but were ultimately given up because it proved to be a challenge for the story team. So Peter M. Nichols states Disney may later have been discouraged by John Cocteau having already done uh, a version in 1946. Decades later, during the production of Who Framed Roger Rabbit in 1987, the Disney studio resurrected Beauty and the Beast as a project for the satellite, for the satellite animation studio it is set up in London. Uh, to work on Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Richard Williams, who had directed the animated portions of Who Framed Roger Rabbit, was approached to direct but declined in favor of continuing work on his long gestating project, The Thief and the Cobbler, which we all know. Uh, in his place, Williams uh, recommended his colleague, English animation uh, director Richard Pardum, and, began, and work began under producer Don Hahn on a non-musical version of Beauty and the Beast set in 19th century France. At the behest of Disney CEO Michael Eisner, Beauty and the Beast became the first Disney animated film to use a screenwriter. Uh, this was an unusual move for an animated film which was traditionally developed on storyboards rather than a scripted form. Uh, Linder Wolverton wrote the original draft of the story before storyboarding began and worked with the story team to retool and develop the film. Upon seeing the initial storyboard reels in 1989, Walt Disney Studios chairman Jeffrey Katzenberg ordered that the film be scrapped and started over from scratch. A few months after starting anew, Pardum resigned as director. The studio approached John Musker and Ron Clements to direct the film, but they turned down the offer saying that they were tired after just having finished directing Disney's recent success, The Little Mermaid. Uh, Disney then hired first-time director, directors Kirk Wise and Gary Truesdale. Uh, Wise and Truesdale had previously directed animated sections of Cranium Command, a short film for Disney, or a Disney Epcot theme park attraction, and was also the inspiration for Inside Out. Um, in addition, Katzenberg asked songwriters Howard Ashman and Alan Menken, who had written the song score for The Little Mermaid, to turn Beauty and the Beast into a Broadway-style musical film, in the same vein as The Little Mermaid. Ashman, who at the time had learned he was dying of complications from AIDS, had been working with Disney in a pet project of his, which was Aladdin, and only recently agreed to join the struggling production team. 
To accommodate Ashman's failing health, pre-production of Beauty and the Beast was moved uh, from London to the Residence Inn in Fishkill, New York, close to Ashman's New York City home. Here, Ashman and Mencken joined Wise, Truesdale, Hahn, and Wolverton in retooling the film's script. Since the original story had only two major characters, the filmmakers enhanced them, added new characters in the form of enchanted household items who add warmth and comedy to a gloomy story and guide the audience through the film and added a real villain in the form of Gaston. Um, these ideas were somewhat similar to the elements of the 1946 fresh film ver French film version of Beauty and the Beast, which introduced the character of Avenant, an oafish suitor somewhat similar to Gaston, as well as inanimate objects coming to life in Beast's castle. The animated objects were, however, given distinct personalities in the Disney version. By early 1990, Katzenberg had approved the revised script and storyboarding had began. The production flew story artists back and forth between California and New York for storyboard approvals from Ashman, though the team was not told the reason why. And thus, the rest of the production is history, and that is the origin story of Beauty and the Beast. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, so when I, when, when I uh, said Gary Truesdale and Kirk Wise, I know what you're thinking. The... Gary, the Kirk Wise, the guy who made the Bobblehead movie, and I would say the very same. That was not what I was thinking, but <laughs> I guess that's what you were thinking. That's what I was thinking. Uh, so tell me, what are your first impressions of Beauty and the Beast? Um, well, where to begin? Uh, the funny thing is, like, a lot of these, like, Disney movies, I didn't see until I was much older. So, like older in the sense that I, like, wasn't four or five years old. Um, so the first time, so I had always, like, I knew the story of Beauty and the Beast, I knew, like, that the objects were alive, and it's just, it's a really good musical. I've said that before, but, um, I didn't know about, uh, Ashman, like, being on his deathbed, basically, while he was doing it. That's interesting and sad. Um, yeah. But, uh, anywho, yeah, Beauty and the Beast, I think... It's a very interesting story, firstly because they have such memorable and dynamic characters. I mean, you only have so much time to develop characters in a 90 or so minute animated film. But um, uh, we really did get um, a very interesting cast. Like, they took this, and I think Disney has done a good job of doing this over the years, of taking a story that is more of a story than, like, you know, like most of the fairy tales, like, in themselves their characters don't have much depth. So Disney has had this, has uh, long had the sort of, uh, I guess the pa they, they've long uh, perpetuated the pattern of taking these characters lacking any complexity and giving them complexity. And I think we definitely see that in Belle and sort of her headstrong, um, you know, self-sufficient nature. Um, and we also see it like with the household objects, you know, it's interesting to see how they interact with people and the beast um, getting to see, the the depths of his soul if you will um yeah the characters are great and the music is just beautiful so i mean it's just it's a great it's just a great ensemble of good qualities i think and the story is compelling so i i think it's really it's a great movie yeah and speaking of ashman he actually won a oscar for this film but he was no longer alive to receive it um, oh, that's sad. Yeah. He won for Best Original Song for the Beauty and the Beast uh, track, 
Oh, that's a great song. Yeah. So, yeah, so that was, so we won an Oscar for that uh, song, and I think it was definitely well-deserved. Um, yeah, and also we meet, we also uh, are, uh, we meet our favorite witch, uh, Angela Lansbury, who is in this film as well. Oh, yeah, she's great. As Mrs. Potts. Uh, yes. You think she's actually better in this film than in the other film? Oh, the one we talked about last week? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, I think she's good in both films. I think Beauty and the Beast is better, but she she does make a delightful Mrs. Potts. She's just wonderful. Her voice is just, you know, very motherly and loving. You can feel the love through the screen. It's great. Right. So, yeah, I mean, there's, like, also, there was, like, a bunch, in terms of, like, casting, there was, like, a bunch of, like, what would could be considered, like, A-list actors that we would ultimately know that was considered to be um, in in for roles. Uh, like, they originally wanted Jodie Benson to play uh, Belle, but I believe she... Uh, they decided to go with Paige O'Hara for um, the role of Belle because they wanted her to sound more mature. Um, and I believe they also wanted Val Kilmer to play the Beast. Oh, wow. Yeah, they wanted Val Kilmer or Lawrence Fishburne to play the Beast. Um, but they decided to go with uh, Robbie Benson instead. Uh, and I know that uh, John Cleese was originally uh, intended to play Cogsworth. Oh, that would have been funny. Yeah, <laughs> but he turned it down to play the the the, the role of Cat R. Wall from the film Fievel Goes West. Oh, sequel to American Tale. Yeah. Interesting. So, um, I mean, both are. I mean, those are. That was also a really nice film in its own right. So, I'm sure he's not losing much sleep over it. Let me see. <laughs> so let me see. Julie Andrews was actually supposed to play uh, Mrs. Potts. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. But then they gave it to Angela Lonsbury, uh, which is also fine. She did a great job anyway. So, like, what would, speaking of, like, the music, what do you think is your favorite song in this film? Oh, that would be hard. They're such good songs. I don't know if I could pick one. It'd probably be a tie between Beauty and the Beast and uh, Gaston. Oh, yeah. I think I my favorite one is probably either a tie between Gaston and uh, what was the one? Oh, Be Our Guest. Oh, yeah, that is a good one. See, it's too hard to pick. Yeah. Uh, I don't. Have you ever watched Mickey's House of Mouse? I have not. Yeah, but like, yeah, you, it's, you know, so you know it's like about like Mickey, Mickey Mouse is like owning and operating this like dinner theater type thing. Yeah. And, yeah, and then like, and like all the characters from various Disney movies are there. Uh, and I remember one episode, they were kind of making fun of the Gaston song when Gaston would be constantly saying stuff like, uh, nobody can break his leg like Gaston, and then he just throws <laughs> himself off the off the stage. So I thought, so that was a little little funny tidbit. Uh, so, yeah, like, speaking of the characters, let's go to the main character, the main protagonist, which is Belle. What do we think about Belle? Belle is a really cool character. I've... I've always liked Belle because from the very start, she's intelligent and she's not ashamed to be intelligent. 
but at the same time, like, she's very human, you know, she doesn't like the fact that no one really gets her, um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's pretty, she's pretty cool, I mean, she's self-sufficient, she takes care of herself, she has a clear heart for others, you know, she goes after, you know, her father when he disappears, um, and she shows compassion even towards the beast, you know, by rescuing him, by, like, getting him back to the castle after he saves her life. It's pretty cool, and she sort of passes that compassion on to everyone around her, and it's really neat how she's very, like, self-sufficient. She doesn't give in to, like, like, she's not very worldly. She's not shallow. She doesn't give in to Gaston's wiles. She she has respect for herself, you know, and that she doesn't want to, like, marry a meathead and, like, who doesn't appreciate her for her mind. Mm-hmm. which i think is really cool yeah and, and, he, uh, yeah. and he's yeah. fantasizing about her and skipping clothings on a railroad track um, what <laughs> that's i was just referencing that scene from <laughs> bird knobs and broomsticks where he was hallucinating oh yeah that was disconcerting yeah but think speaking of which like gaston seems to be like a legit predator in this film now that i'm looking at it in adult <laughs> he eyes is messed up for sure mm-hmm like he's supposed to be i know he's supposed to be like the embodiment of what some would consider to be quote-unquote toxic masculinity uh what would you think about that sentiment um i think just he's a good villain and i mean i would say that like he is he does reflect many misogynistic like properties you know um i don't think necessarily i think that i don't think they were necessarily trying to make so big of a statement about masculinity or something but i do think he was supposed to be like a man's man you know like the manliest man right but um they were pointing out the fact that like he didn't he didn't appreciate Belle for like who she was just kind of for what she looked like right and uh and yeah i mean i just think he's a good bad guy because i mean like he's goofy he's so full of himself to the point that it's humorous yeah um i i especially love his interactions with lefou such as at the beginning of the movie where LeFou goes, oh, you're the best guest on. He just goes, I know. You know, he has that ridiculous voice that's just so over the top. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, his song is just utterly absurd. But it, at the same time, even though he's, like, so awful, you can't get enough of him because he's just so ridiculous. He's he's fun to watch on screen. Yeah, he's definitely one of those villains that you love to hate, for sure. Yeah. Like, I remember, like, sometimes, like, the lyrics become very self-aware that I really, that is, is really good. Like, the, like, the, like, the epilogue-ish rep- reprisal of the Gaston song. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, where they are like, uh, nobody, nobody plots like Gaston, nobody takes cheap shots like Gaston. And no, yeah. Nobody, uh, what was it, uh, prosecutes harmless crackpots like Gaston. I think that's pretty yeah, funny. Yeah, it's kind of funny. I love how he's just shamelessly evil. And mm-hmm. I think probably one of my favorite lines is when he goes, LeFou, I'm afraid I've been thinking. And then LeFou goes, a dangerous habit. <laughs> I thought that was funny. I know. Yeah. A dangerous habit, I know. Have you yeah, ever been to funny. Have you ever been to uh, the Disney World, the um, Be Our Guest restaurant? I have not. I, I have. It's really cool. It's a really nice place. I would recommend well, anyone to, to go there. Also, there was this other place called Gaston's, which is supposed to be the lodge that is featured in the film. Uh, yeah. Where there's a lot of drinking in this G-rated film. 
by the way. <laughs> and, there is quite a bit. Yeah. So like, yeah. So it's, there's there, there's like a recreation of that in Disney World, and one of the things that they have is a thing called Lafu's Brew, which is yeah. very delicious. I would recommend people get it if you're there. Yeah. But not right now because I don't think it's safe to go right now. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> yeah. So, like, let's go into the relationship of the Beast and Belle. What do we think of that? Well, I know that a lot of people have pointed out that, like, oh, it's Stockholm Syndrome, you know, it's just because she's trapped there that she's interested in him. But, I mean, I would kind of argue with that. I mean, yes, the relationship is not portrayed perfectly, but also you have to keep in mind that this is a movie and you have to suspend a little bit of reality. And you have to look at the fact that I think it's an interesting relationship because she kind of chooses to stay after, you know, he, you know, saved her from the wolves. Like, she could have run away in that instance, but she chose to stay. But mm -hmm. ultimately, like, she couldn't be happy as long as she was a prisoner, um, which is probably, like, one of the things that, while I'm not crazy about the remake that they did, um, I do think they touched on that better than, you know, in the animated film. But I think what they do is... <laughs> They depict it in such a way that you're you're willing to believe that they fell in love despite the the situation because like she they connect on a deeper level they you know she teaches him to read you know and uh they they get to know each other she she makes him want to be better that sort of thing but i mean at the end of the day obviously it's not gonna be a realistic relationship it's a fairy tale but i think it's sweet um getting to see them connect on a level that's not purely just oh you're cute you're cute blah 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 it's more of on an emotional level yeah and yeah because and i know that in the live action film they tried to like like retcon or they tried to correct certain like things or like plot holes that people have like poked through in, in the course of the years since this film was released like yeah. the fact that how could nobody would nobody remember that they were ruled under a king yeah. Yeah, and then also uh, where Lumiere said that in the uh, Be Our Guest song where he said that they've been like like that for 10 years, but uh, the Beast had to like find true love before his 21st birthday. So that would mean he was, he was possessed at the age of 11, which was very not cool. Yeah, it... It's not perfect. I think we can all agree that it's not perfect. Yeah. So, like, in the live-action version, they just cut that song song out, and then they were like, uh, it was amnesia. It was a spell. <laughs> and, then, and then that's how they fixed it. So, yeah, like, I, so would you say that Belle is definitely girl power in this film? Well... I mean, when people say girl power, it seems to have such a silly connotation, but I would say that she is a, I would say she's a strong character. She's, she stands up for herself throughout, because this is one of the few Disney princesses where you kind of see her kind of having to do everything for herself, you know? She's, uh, she, everything she does throughout the movie, if you watch it, like, it's all, like, very self-sufficient, which, you know, makes her stand out, you know, when her father goes missing, she goes to find her father, you know, when... Mm -hmm. Uh, you know when guess when her father is in danger she goes to help him again after you know the beast lets her go um everything she does like you know she she ref she reflects a lot of like self-sufficiency and like self uh 
I'm trying to think of the best word. Like she's very individualistic while also caring for the people around her, and I think that's cool. Yeah, like also like going back to that whole when beast like like let her go. I know that uh, what is it that um, oh yeah like in the scene where I be- was it Cogsworth Cogsworth was like why did you let her go and then he was like because I love her. I think that's supposed to be that kind of that whole idea of like if you love something or someone you have to let it go. Yeah, I think it was just kind of trying to show the fact that like, you know, they couldn't really be in love if she was a prisoner. Right. Uh oh, it looks like uh Nick Jonas played Chip in the Broadway musical. What? Seriously? Oh, snap. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting oh I mean, yeah I, I guess i guess that probably was fine i don't know i don't know i didn't watch it speaking of yeah. things like other things like did you ever watch like the the uh the sequels or i say sequels but they're more like midquels i didn't i think i saw a little bit of that little christmas thing they did yeah but frankly it seemed like way too much happened in that little span of time to have not been touched on at all in the movie yeah i know like also there was this enchanted oregon that we had to fight and then we just forgot about (laughs) and like the thing about beauty and the beast is like it's kind of tough to make sequels for because it ends with the beast turning into a human and then the sequels have to take place after that after he's a human and why is it called beauty and the beast that then they're like oh let's just put it in the middle sequels yeah, well, there weren't sequels that take place after this the events of Beauty and oh, the Beast. They all they all they took were more like spinoffs. Yeah, they all took place within that original film. Uh, the Enchanted Christmas being one of them, which takes place in that like I think after that snowball fight scene I in the guess, montage. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, like in that middle of that song where they're singing, you know, there's something sweet and almost kind. There's something there that wasn't there before. Like yeah. an entire plot happened. Who'd have thunk? Yeah, I know. And then there was another one called Bell's Magical World, which came out. Really? Yeah. And that sounds silly. <laughs> it is, I think so. And it's considered to be the final installment of the Beauty and the Beast trilogy. Whoa, I, yeah. Okay, sure, why not? Yeah, and there was another one called Bell's Tells of Friendship, which is basically like, uh, like, like a a segue into like a TV show called Sing Me a Story with Bell, where oh, I see where it's a live action thing, where a live action Bell tells like, uh, public domain stories. That's weird. Yeah, I know. Uh, no, I, no wonder it didn't like catch on. <laughs> so yeah, but like, regardless of that, let's talk about the animation. The animation of this film. What do we think? Oh, it's beautiful. I, I think we've really, I think hand drawn animation is really something that is being lost. Like that, you don't see it quite as often. At least not to the extent that you saw in movies like these, um, and even movies before that. Like just the the intricacy like uh one thing that always stuck out that really sticks out to me is uh bell's like little loose strand of hair that is constantly falling in her face like just little details like that um it's really cool it makes it uh stand out it's really neat yeah oh and the thing about beauty and the beast i think uh, yeah this film was actually completed in half of the time that they usually would make a film because wow, really? yeah it usually takes four years to animate but they they took they only took two years to animate Beauty and the Beast. Wow. 
wow, really? Yeah. Was it because they used CGI in certain instances? Yeah, that's exactly what happened. Because it was the... Beauty and the Beast was the second film, like, after The Rescuers Down Under. Um, oh, The Rescuers Down Under do CGI? Yeah. So I think that was the first one Disney ever used CGI. And Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. I never watched that film. Uh, me neither. I just <laughs> didn't know that there was... It. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. So Beauty and the Beast was the second film, and they used it using what is called CAPS, which is abbreviate like an acronym for Computer Animation Production System, which was a hardware developed by Pixar. So they were using Pixar's technology um, in order to animate certain things, but it's more specifically the uh, ballroom dance sequence, which they used the CAPS thing to... Uh, uses the background and the two characters were uh, traditionally animated and they were composited against the CGI background and they were using it to give the illusion of a dollying film camera. So Yeah, like, it was really neat. Yeah, that was one of those like f those sequences where they're like where you're like, "Whoa! <laughs> that's some cool stuff." And I know that this film was I believe it was the first animated film to ever be nominated for best picture really yes interesting yeah well, that, so they didn't have an animated category at that point no they didn't um they didn't get one until 2002 or 2001 interesting uh, yeah like like a good 10 years after let me see who it lost to 1992 best picture winner Gee, i don't know it lost the Silence of the Lambs. Oh, very different movie. <laughs> that is a very but different movie. Somewhat similar, if you think about it. Yeah, if you really think about it, I should I should write a BuzzFeed novel. Well, okay, it's okay. It's not the same. There are very few similarities. <laughs> I should. I was gonna think like maybe I should take make one of those BuzzFeed articles where they're like, ten reasons why Beauty and the Beast is basically Silence of the Lambs. Oh no, let's not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So, yeah, like, that's, uh, what other aspects of this film would you like to cover? Um, well, the cool thing about this film is it has so many fun characters, like, not just the lead, like, uh, Belle and the Beast, but the, uh, the household objects are so much fun. I especially love the banter between Lumiere and Cogsworth. It's mm -hmm. the best. Have you ever, I yeah? adore it. Oh, yeah, that, the writing is very good in terms of, in terms of that. And so, like, have you ever watched the TV show Once Upon a Time? I watched, like, a couple episodes yeah. and got kind of fed up. <laughs> okay. Well, Sorry. I Not yeah. my favorite. Yeah, it's okay. Like, uh, I know, like, later on in the series, Lumiere makes an appearance, and apparently he's, like, he's, like, this traitor. He's supposed to be, like, the Judas figure who betrays them. Wow, well, I don't like that. Yeah, I didn't really like that either. Like, almost as much when I found out that Scrappy-Doo was the villain of the Scooby-Doo film in 2004, <laughs> which I thought was, like, the dumbest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> so, yeah, like, Beauty and the Beast, great film, amazing film. Uh, like, would you ever, like, show this film to, like, your kids if you were to have any? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think it would be a good movie for them to watch. I mean... We, we probably need to have, like, certain conversations about, like, what's going on, but I think it's a real cool movie that can be enjoyed, like, at any age. I probably want them to be a little bit older, because it gets kind of dark near the end. 
Oh yeah, like we're like. For, I mean, like, literally, they're singing "Kill the Beast." I don't know if I'd want like my two-year-old running around the house singing that. Yeah, and then when Gaston. But that's like, such a good song where they're like going out to hunt down the beast. That's that's a powerful song. That is a very catchy song. Oh, like, and that moment at the end where like Beast dies in her arms is like really moving for oh, yeah. like you know you usually don't have time to feel that deeply for animated characters, romantically at least in something like this. But man, like. Uh, what's her name? I can't remember her name. Who plays her? Paige. Uh... O'Hara. Paige O'Hara. O'Hara. Paige O'Hara. Like she really sold it for being an animated film. I believe I read somewhere that like she was really like she she gave it her all while she was in the booth. That so much so that the director came in afterwards and said, "Um, are you okay?" She goes, "Yeah, I'm fine. I'm just acting." Yeah. Like, do you think? Like, I think like in terms of like performances like that, very moving, powerful performances. I think that it is high time that the Academy makes a category for best voice acting or best voiceover. Yeah, that could be interesting. That, that might be interesting. Yeah. So I, I'd sign that petition. <laughs> so yeah, like, um, oh yeah. Like I remember like also, uh, when Gaston falls off the, uh, castle, uh, he, you, if you like, f like watch it at like half speed, you'll see like skulls in his eyes. Oh yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, that's like pretty intense. It's like, it's a detail that that it, you won't see otherwise unless you're paying really close attention. Mm -hmm. So like, um, also like during that scene when the beast was about to like throw him off and then Gaston sheds his like masculine persona and he basically begs for his life. What do we think about that? Oh, yeah, he got his just desserts, I think, to say the least. Mm -hmm. I forget that, like, these older Disney movies, you know, they were trying to appeal to a wider audience, so they get, like, a lot darker and scarier, you know? Yeah. Um, it's, it's just, it's really powerful, that moment, like, where they're in the rain, and he climbs back up the trellis, sort of, to, like, talk, to be with Belle. It's, it's so powerful, and then Gaston, like, shoots him in the back. It was, whew, it's just, it's a very powerful scene and uh uh it's just it's an amazing moment and then yeah you get to see just how weak gaston truly is which is which seems only fitting after everything he's done to everybody absolutely yeah and then also when the beast decides not to kill him that's what i call character development yeah exactly you're seeing that bell has changed him mm -hmm. he's no longer as violent as he used to be yeah locking up people who just wander in and just accept that they're talking to inanimate objects <laughs> I, well, yeah, I, yeah. yeah Belle, Belle, for, for something as strange as talking to inanimate objects bell came to accept it fairly quickly oh yeah she's like oh okay <laughs> yeah and then like she picks up a spoon and she's like hello and then they're like oh that's just a spoon you dummy <laughs> no that was in the original that was in the live action film yeah something like that i think it was a hairbrush or something oh yeah it was a hairbrush yeah, that's one thing that I'm not super crazy about is that, like, they tried to fill in all the plot holes to the point where it felt a little bit meta. Like, I was kind of like, okay, we get it, but it is a make-believe fantasy world, so I think it's okay that some of the things don't completely make sense. Yeah, exactly. It's fantasy. It's supposed to detract from reality. Yeah, exactly. But, mm -hmm. yeah, this, this movie's really good. I love all... I love Cogsworth, and I said this already, but... Cogsworth and Lumiere's interactions are so funny. I enjoy them so much. One of the, the parts I particularly enjoy is when 
they're trying to get Belle, like, distracted so she doesn't ask about the West Wing. So they said, oh, would you like to see the library? She goes, oh, you have a library? They go, yes, with books! Tons of books! <laughs> that still cracks me up. I think yeah. it's hilarious. A library, yes, with books! Yeah, that's a, that was a really funny scene. And then they just walk away while they and while she, she goes posts, the and then Wing. she goes to the West Wing. Uh, so yeah, that's the that's that's Beauty and the Beast for you. What what would you rate this film? Hmm, I think I'm. You know, I'll give it a ten out of ten. Oh, it's a really snap. good movie. It's is this your first ten out of ten? I think I've done a ten out of ten before. Okay, but you don't hand them out very often, though. I don't hand them. Well, my boyfriend jokes that I say that like every movie is one of my favorite movies. But that's not true. I just like a bunch of movies, and this just happens to be one of them. I wouldn't give a 10 out of 10 so, you know, callously, I'd yeah. say. Yeah, it's good to like a bunch of films than to be like, I don't like anything. Yeah. Yeah, so I would say I would give it I would give it a 10 out of 10, too, because it's, it's really good. I love it. Yeah, it's a great movie. Yeah, so, yeah, that's, the Beauty, and the, that's Beauty and the Beast for you, the original 1991 <laughs> film. Um, and we, so that's it. And we will talk to you guys later. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to a vision podcast, home of wacky talkies, the kingdom evil exists and many more.